0: Well, hello, buddies. Welcome to Barnburner here on your Friday. What is happening? What's good? Hopefully, hopefully life is just treating you dynamite today as we get into uh, part two of our special conversation with Jamie McLennan. We'll get to that in a moment. But we are here in the Tower Chrysler Studios, Tower Chrysler, still the undisputed, defending heavyweight champion of Dodge Chrysler Ram dealers. Something like that. Uh no, Consumer Choice Award winner. That's what it is. Consumer Choice Award winner Calgary's favorite Chrysler Dodge Ram dealer. They pulled they they went on, hey, we're it's Consumer Choice. You can you can cho- choose whoever you want. And everybody said, "You know what? Tower Chrysler, that's the one for us." So, as I said to work, to be the man, you got to beat the man. That's what we say with Tower Chrysler. 10901 mcleod Trail South and towerchrysler.com. Yes. We had the, uh, the first half, I suppose. It was a very lengthy conversation that we had with Jamie McClellan. We'll have the second half of it for you in a moment. But uh, wanted to, I'm pumped about this. It's been a long time for me and it's maybe been a long time for you. Maybe you've never done it, but this is very cool. New sponsor on board here at Barnburner. We're pumped to welcome uh, Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Have you gone to the track? Have you ever done the track? You've been to the track? Now, I've not done it a ton, but it's one of those things. Every time I do it, it's a blast. And it's like, you gotta, when are we coming back? When are we doing this again? We are into September, which means it's thoroughbred racing season at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. September and October. It's the thoroughbreds, it's the best. And we're going. You, me, all of us, we're loading up and we are going. Every Saturday and Sunday. At Century Downs Racetrack and Casino, they've got the thoroughbreds going. Post time is 12:45. Admission is free; all ages are welcome. You can watch, you can wager, have some food, have some drinks, enjoy yourself. It's entertainment, and there's there's an adrenaline to it that you just don't find anywhere else. And coming up on September 30th is going to be a Saturday, 12:45 as we mentioned post time. It is Barn Burner Day at century Downs racetrack we want you to come on out we're going to be there doing our thing flames nation crew is going to be there a free day at the track come as you are we're not going to judge you we're just going to have a blast if you've never done it like I honest you're gonna have you're gonna have fun that's all it, what it comes down to we are going to have have some drinks maybe uh you know put a shekel or two down and cheer on some horses for sure picking some winners and there's even going to be a special they've they've rolled out the red carpet pumped with Sentry downs they've got the uh, a barn burner heat is going to be on the card for uh, one of the heats on saturday so that is going to be awesome make some plans we're wound up for it we got this done in the nick of time coming up on saturday september 30th it's right away century downs racetrack and casino twelve forty-five post time but you got to be there early you got to get a drink you got to get the card you got okay who are we taking are we doing a trifecta what are we doing how we got to get it all figured out but it is going to be barn burner day at the racetrack with century downs racetrack and casino coming up on the 30th pumped for it can't wait looking forward to seeing you all there let's get to it good stuff with noodles yesterday better stuff today he's a flame mika kiprasov uh helicopters and uh why would i give it away why would i do that to you let's get to it retro and i sitting down once again with jamie mclennan june 2000 calgary alberta the minnesota wild and the columbus blue jackets hold the expansion draft second overall pick to the minnesota wild jamie mclennan um i couldn't i had to go and look well who went first Itchy scratchy Rick Tabaracci goes to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. The first six picks were all goaltenders. Are crazy that? Yeah. Um, d- did you did you feel like you because you were obviously exposed by by St. Louis and did did you feel you were going to get picked up there? What was your thought? Obviously, when you now are going from a fifty-one win team to an expansion team.
2: Okay, not only did I feel. I knew I was being picked because you want to talk about, you know, backdoor conversations and, you know, all of that type of stuff. It's the reason why I hired Maxi from, from Fierzy. Cause I knew I was going from a, a first place team to a last place team. And that was going to be not a last place, but to an expansion yeah. team. So I, I knew it was going to be very tough mentally to handle that. So yes, I knew in, February of that year that I was still playing in St. Louis, that I was going to be exposed. And that here's the other thing I needed to sign a contract. I needed to be under contract to be exposed. I was going to be unrestricted. So they needed to sign the St. Louis blues needed to sign me to expose me. So I had some leverage. So to the point where I do believe I, you know, that Minnesota might've been involved in the contract extension to the St. Louis Blues, you know, which was, you know, like, I I don't, you know, I don't, I can't confirm or deny it's more just like they knew what was going on and I had to be under contract to be exposed and Brent Johnson was coming up. He was going to take, take my job the next year. He was, he he was ready to play in the NHL. So I knew I was not going to be a blue the next year. So whether I went to Minnesota or got you know, traded or whatever, I needed to be signed to be exposed. And I knew I, I knew it was 99.9% chance I was going to Minnesota because I think the, the scouting staff and the people there liked me. So that's kind of what I've heard.
0: So what about that team? I remember talking with uh, like Perry Berezan when he goes to the San Jose Sharks and they're new and it was a ragtag bunch and just crazy playing out of the Cow Palace and that down in San Jose. Obviously a little bit different here. I was... You go, you guys won twenty five games. Scott Pellerin led you with thirty nine points in scoring that year. It's total Jacques Lemaire hockey. It's trap it up that you guys had twenty five is a miracle for that team because it was you were not very good.
2: Well, and so if you go back, there's a stat that sometimes comes up even when I'm doing color to this day. It's called the low, lowest goal support for a goaltender in <laughs> modern day. That was me. So, I played in 38 games that year and the team scored 53 goals total. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) just get me one,
2: boys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Except I would give up four. (laughs) Uh, But I had. I, I want to say I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I think I did. I have four shutouts that year. And I think two of them were zero, zero ties where I had to didn't get the back win. then they had ties, right? <laughs> back then they had ties. So I remember playing at home. I think we were playing at home and I got a zero, zero tie and the trainer cut the puck in half. And Roberto Luongo got half of the puck and I got half of the puck. Like, in my storage downstairs, I've got a couple half bucks that have shutouts on them. <laughs> they were zero, zero ties. Like, so yeah, you wanna talk about, and honestly, first class organization, unbelievable setup, unbelievable building from day one. I mean, Minnesota should have never lost a team anyways, yeah. but you get, you went back there, the building was packed. They They set it up amazing. Uh, to the point where I still, a lot of the guys that I played with in year one, year two, they're they they're still entrenched in the organization. Like Wes Walls is still there. Brad Bombardier is still there. Darby Hendrickson still there. Like it's just it, it, Tony DaCosta, they're trained. The, the head equipment trainer has been their only equipment trainer the, the whole time. Like yeah. they, they they put together a really good setup there. But w- wins were hard to come by. And I remember Jacques Lemaire was the coach. And we had meetings that summer, and Jacques took me and Manny uh, Fernandez into a room, and he goes, um, you know, I know your contract, you're getting paid lots of money, uh, you're going to get a lot of hard starts this year, Noodles, and he goes, "Do you have a problem, and he points to Manny with that guy being my sister's kid, <laughs> and I don't know if you guys knew this, Manny Fernandez was Jacques Lemaire's sister's kid, and I go no, I'm, I'm fine with that. I go like, this will be a healthy competition. I go, as long as you don't, he goes, I don't have a problem. And I was like, all right, let's do this. You know? So Manny and I had a unique relationship, but he was a really, like Manny was a really, really good goalie, really good. Um, and, you know, it, Jock to his word that year, he said, you know, you're going to get some tough starts. Like I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're going into Colorado and, and they've got, you know, a, a team that's a Stanley Cup. You're going to be playing those games, you know, and I, I said, no problem. And I think I had five wins, 25 losses and yeah. five ties, whatever I had that year. But statistically it was ugly, but I swear, like I even say this to this day, I thought I played really well for them. It just, it didn't, you know, there was no wins there. There's just no, you You were in expansion team and then you know, the next year they, they signed Dwayne Rollison, who was an upgrade over me. So they ended up, uh, I ended up having to play a year in the minors because my contract w- was pretty good. I had what's called salary revision. So I had, I made, I can't remember what I was making, let's say a million bucks that year. But if I got to five games, it was like $50,000 bonus and 50,000 added to the next year's salary. It was this like crazy double bonus. So because I played 38 games, I had inched my way up to a pretty decent salary. So I priced myself out of the league as a backup. Yeah. So I had to kind of wait a year to get back into the fold and you could renegotiate the deals back then, but you had teams calling going, we'll trade for you tomorrow. If you tear up your contract and you can go two years at seven, or you can play in the minors at one year at 1.4. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to, collect my money and play in the minors and rebuild myself and then go back. And that's kind of what happened is, is, you know, I priced myself out of the league as a backup and didn't have a statistical great season the year before. And, you know, I had to, I had to bat, battle to get back and and I got back when Craig, uh, Craig Button traded for me. I went to Calgary. So just to,
0: cause you're, you're a, you're a great teammate and you're of course going to be the guy Yeah, Some tough games. Yeah. Hey, that put me in. I'm, I'm fine with that. Were you fine with that? Because even you and Roman Turk win the Jennings, whether your name's on the trophy or not. 51 wins, and yeah, you lose in round one. But then you got to yeah. be thinking, I'm going to an expansion team, but I'm playing. I got I, I got as good yep. a shot as anybody. And the coach says, Hey, it's all good, but we're gonna you're gonna play some tough games, and you play those tough games, and then the next year you're in the minors while oh, you're yeah. losing those games, and then at the end of the day, don't you feel like that's a kick in the in the balls for being a good guy.
2: It it was, but you know, ultimately, you know, Manny played better than me. Like he was a better goaltender than me. So, you know, on, on nights where, you know, I remember I lost four, one in San Jose one night and Jacques took me into the office afterwards. And I was like, Oh, am I getting it? And he goes, I just got to say, I'm sorry. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, we gave up 28 quality chances tonight. He goes, that's the most I've ever seen in an NHL game. And yeah, like I I remember the fourth goal I allowed was a bad goal, five hole. But outside of that, I thought it played really well. But statistically, it's still a loss. Statistically, you know, my save percentage probably that night, I don't even know what the shots were, but probably didn't hit 900. So you're like, okay, does it look good? No, does it like – it was a natural reset because it's like this guy didn't do the job, but it's like we weren't on a great team. But there were times where, like, okay, Manny stood on his head. He deserved. Like, if you look at Manny's stats compared to mine that year, like, Manny was great. Like, he just, he was a better goaltender than me and he outplayed me. But then, you know, if you looked at the quality of starts, some of them were, yeah. you know, more on par with us, but it doesn't matter. He was still going to be. And if you look at his career trajectory, Like he ended up being a starter there. And I think one year he played, he might've played the all-star game. He was that good. Like he was a a really good goalie, but that was our first year. And we were still kind of learning and uh, under Jacques. And Jacques was awesome. He was really good to me, but it was, he was just very honest. Like he, I he's the coach that I had who always had an answer. Like sometimes you talk to a coach and you say, what do you think about this? And he's Oh, you could try this. You could try this. Jacques would just say, You do this and this will happen. Like, it was like, it was unbelievable how smart he was, cerebral. So I loved my time there, but it, you're right. Like it, believe me, when I was sitting in the minors in Houston and, you know, thinking where the, like a year and a half ago, I'm in St. Louis on top of the world. There were some tough times for sure, because that's when I knew, that's when I knew I loved hockey more than making money because I was making the most i would ever had in my career but I was miserable doing it in the AHL. Um, But, you know, I, I, it was a good, it was a good reset for me. I had Todd McClellan and he was a young coach and he was awesome. And, you know, Todd, I, I have so much respect for Todd. I'm a huge fan of his and I watched him work every day. And he was awesome to me because he said to me day one, he goes, I'm not sure how long you're going to be here, whether it's two days, two weeks or the whole season, he goes, just give me your best. And I said, Todd, I'll give you my best. And I was here. I was there the whole year. I think we went to like the conference finals of the finals in the AHL that year. Like we played well. And I thought I gave him my best. But there were times where we to be honest, yeah, where I was I was pissed to be there because I didn't think I deserved to be there. Didn't matter. Like I was I was there and I had to I had to eat it, you know.
0: You mentioned the trade to Calgary, June of two thousand two, a ninth round pick. Uh, some will be shocked to know that there used to be nine rounds in a draft. So <laughs> how did you, I guess, did you know this trade was coming? Had you lobbied for a trade or how did it come to be? Because Calgary brings you in and then that's kind of another chapter for you.
2: Well, again, talking about potential information behind mm-hmm. the scenes, I did I did know that I was going to be traded to Calgary. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be during my, one of my pub crawls. So I had to take a, a quick pause and, Take that phone call from <laughs> from Craig Button and from uh, Minnesota as well, wishing me well. And there's a bunch of guys yelling and screaming in the background, half naked. Who knows what was going on at that time? But it was that uh, um, yeah, June, and yeah, I got traded for a ninth rounder that doesn't exist anymore, which is kind of funny. Um, but I, I knew, and I knew I was going. Uh, Craig had intimated to my agent Pat Morris that. Um, you know, he wanted me in the system, wanted me you know back. Uh, it was more back again, I was on a more reasonable contract for what I brought to, I was on a backups contract. and I can't remember what it was. I want to say maybe seven or 650 or something like that, but it was you know it was decent. Like I, I got paid well and got brought back into the fold and I got back to the NHL which was where I wanted to be.
1: And working with, was large back at, or in Calgary at that time.
2: Yeah, so large was there. So I came back, and that was uh, you know Craig was there. We had Greg Gilbert, and then I can't remember when Daryl came in and took over, type of thing. I think that's when, when um, so it was me and Large, and then it was me and Large, and then Daryl came in, and then he brought Kipper in. Daryl came in near the end of that year because I remember yeah, he, had, I, it, he had spring of three. he had He had a chat with all the guys who were over thirty. He brought us all into this room. And I remember like looking around the room and I think it was me, Dave Lowry, Marty uh, Jelena, trying to remember who else there was, you know, the 30 plus group, Craig Berube, I think. And he just said, we've got five games left. And he goes, if, if this team goes into the tank because of the lack of leadership in the room, I'm going to have a problem with that. So he said, I want to see compete these last five games they mean something. They mean something to everybody. And he goes, one thing that you guys have in common in this room, what did, what is it? We're all looking at each other. I'm like, I don't know what it is. He goes, you're over 30 years old. Remember that. And it was interesting. So it was, you know, Daryl always did everything with a tact, right? He had, he had, you know, mindset behind it. So yeah, that was, that was like, I think my first and second year in Calgary and, and coming back, but I played with Roman And then I played and then we brought Kipper in and that's when Kipper came in and hit the ground running and never looked back.
0: Every day on Barn Burner, the Pinder Report is brought to you by Village Honda. Village Honda has new Hondas arriving daily and has a huge pre-owned inventory with over 70 used vehicles on site and access to over 400 more in their dealer group. All makes, all models, all budgets. It's award winning service, a top rated team, Village Honda is your dealership for life located in the northwest auto mall and online at villagehonda.com
3: the hearing loss clinic was opened in 1993 with a simple mission make a positive difference in the lives of our clients it's never been about hearing loss or hearing impairment it's been about empowering you to be socially active or more connected with loved ones and confident in every aspect of your life men and women of all ages and of course children can suffer from hearing loss too There can be serious health risks that are linked to untreated hearing loss, and you can get a peace of mind at four Calgary locations. Shaughnessy University District, Northwest in the Crowfoot Business Centre, and in the North Hill Professional Offices. If you've got issues with your hearing, come visit one of their four Calgary locations for an evaluation. They're the 2022 Chamber of Commerce Professional Services Excellence Award winner. Visit one of their three locations in BC. You can find them at Cranbrook, Creston, Fernie, Golden, and Invermere. Famous people that have swung by the Hearing Loss Clinic, John Huffnagel, Lanny McDonald, Haley Wickenheiser, Peter Marr. It's worked for them, and it can work for you. Check out their social streams on Twitter at The Hearing Loss or on Instagram at The Hearing Loss Clinic.
0: Do you think Turek had any hand in you coming back in there? Like, was your relationship in St. Louis one that they, they would want to... If, if Turek's our number one and McLennan and he got, a, got along well and they played together well in St. Louis, let's bring them together. Do you think that played a part in it i
2: I think it does because if if you look at some of the goalie partners i worked with and i know this is a public story but roberto luongo when he was negotiating with keenan for an extension in florida one of his we'll call it demands was that that i i'm part of it he extend me and but i had an option to be picked up so he wanted my option picked up louis wanted to sign and he wanted, you know, I think the goalie coach, he wanted like things to, and it never worked out to the point where Louis got traded to Vancouver and Keenan didn't pick my option. So it's, you know, there was, it, it, there was things where you had that relationship with the starter where, yes, if it's, if it's a choice between McLennan and somebody else who is probably in the same, you know, conversation, but McLennan's played with Turek, Absolutely. So And and Roman and I had a great relationship in St. Louis. I think I had a great relationship with all my goalie partners, uh, some closer with others. I'm still very close with Louis. I'm still very close with Kipper. I'm one of the only guys I feel like he talks to in this world um, because he's, you know, quite a recluse. But, you know, Fierzy and I, like, worked well together. Hexy, I run into. Uh, Tommy Soderstrom. I don't know if you guys had that. Cameos. I'm on that Cameo or whatever. You know that app? somebody sent me a note asking for a cameo for Tommy Soderstrom's birthday. And it was like the Tommy Soderstrom fan club. So I sent it to him. I was like, God, I miss that guy. Or I told the story about him on the stock market and stuff. And he sent me a note on Twitter. So it was kind of neat. Like I, I had very unique relationships with all my goalie partners, but I do, I do think that the familiarity um, and having a good tandem, like we did in 1999, me and Roman, Probably helped with uh, them to bring me to Calgary to play with them for sure.
0: So, Kiprasov, and I, we, we've had you on the show a number of times, and you've talked about this a lot, and probably Flames fans know it, but Turek is injured, you're playing. Here again, this is, this is my time. Grab a hold of the stick, it's my chance to go, and then you get injured.
2: How many games That's- did you play yeah. before
1: you got injured? Because you were playing well.
2: Well, I, I, I broke my sternum. Yeah, what's his name?
1: Rolston. Didn't he hit you with a slapper?
2: Yeah, yeah. Brian Rolston hit me right here, and it fractured my sternum, and you know, spidered it or whatever, and chipped my clavicle. I still have like a bump in there. It's like a, I think a calcium deposit now. But I played like ten games with it, and it just. I remember talking to Daryl about it because I couldn't move my arms that well. Like you're, you know, you're. Everything's attached, so Is it's it? like okay, yeah. like everything's attached Weird. to your breastplate. So you're kind of like, okay, if I keep my hands in front of my body, you know, that could work out. And so, <laughs> so we put like an extra pad on there, and the guys knew, and you know, in practice, like everyone's, I'm just kind of like standing there in practice, and then okay, games would come, and a shot would come, and if you like opened up, I could feel like tearing in there. That was. Painful, very painful. But I remember talking to Daryl and said, like, let me let me play. And I, I said, the minute that I feel like I'm hurting the team, I will let you know. Like, you, 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 you'll you obviously know through my play, but like, you can take me out. But I said, let me play. And that, I think it was about 10 games in like that January time. Roman had blown his knee out. Um, and I think Danny Saverin might've been up. And I was like, grinding away I can't remember when did he trade for Kipper he might have traded Kipper earlier
1: November but I, I, I just earlier.
2: oh you know what it was he traded in November but what happened was Kipper hurt his knee
1: yeah Kipper That's hurt his happened. knee at the all-star break
2: yeah so Kipper hurt his knee Roman had a knee injury and then I broke my sternum so I was like let me play through this until Roman comes back so I talked to Daryl. Daryl was good with it. The guys banded. The guys were blocking shots. Like we were like a tight defensive team. And we won some games. I felt like I played solid. But to this day, I remember the moment where I knew I was hurting the team more than I was helping. It was in Washington. And we were tied 0-0 with five minutes left. It was me and Oli Kolzik. So we both have a shutout going. We're both playing pretty good. And I don't, I'd have to go back and look at the box score, but I remember Iggy scored and it's like five minutes left in the game. I'm like, okay, we can do this. We can win. I could get a shutout here. And then they scored right away. And, and then Matthew Lombardi, I think scored. And I'm like, okay, with like three minutes left, we can do this. And I remember it went back to the point and Gonchar took a slap shot and I went to catch it and my, my chest like came open and I like let it like it go through my glove. Like I didn't have the strength to keep it in, so that made it too off. And I'm like, oh, I've really hurt the team here. Iggy scores with like a minute left. So now I'm like, okay, they've <laughs> everyone's bailed me out. We're we're do, we're gonna do this. And with like they pull their goalie with like ten seconds left, and I'm standing against the post, and Yarmir Yager throws a hope puck from the corner it climbs up the net he's behind the net climbs up the net drops in like the, the crevice of my knee hits my knee and drops over the goal line just a, the worst goal I've ever like it's still trauma uh, traumatizing to talk about it <laughs> the worst goal and they tie the game to make it 3-3 so I've got a shutout going me and Kolsik, five minutes left in the game now it's 3-3 and we're in one and I, I, I can't be trusted. The next puck that's going to be thrown at me is going in the net. Doesn't matter. Like it just. And after the game, I remember we ended up tying that game three-three. Fine, but like I remember saying to Darrell, like, like that's that's enough. I've hurt the team here. And Roman was coming back, so Roman came back, and uh, and Kipper came back, obviously. And I became expendable because they had the two guys there. And Daryl traded me uh, to the Rangers for Chris Simon, me and me and Josh Green. So that so was kind of Dallas. the end of. Yeah, we were in Dallas after I'd, I'd gone out all night. And I remember coming home at like five o'clock in the morning and locking eyes with Daryl in the lobby. And I was like, you didn't see me. I just kind of went out <laughs> to the elevator and um, we came down. The bus was at noon. And I came down at 11 o'clock and Daryl was in the lobby and he called me over and said, I just traded you to the Rangers. And I remember saying, is it because I broke curfew? <laughs> and he, he started laughing. He's like, no, he goes, we've been working on this for a while. So anyway, so I got traded and I had to go on the bus to say goodbye to the guys and stuff. So it was, uh, that was an emotional time because we were really close right. team. Like, really I remember
1: him calling team. us over to tell us before he told you, I think. And I was like, Oh, for yeah. God's sakes. Yeah. I want to get I to I want to done. ask
0: kind of both of you for that because you're a beloved teammate that's the that's your story. And beloved Rhett, you, teammate,
1: you... a leader in the uh, beloved teammate, a leader in the uh. room, the guy that keeps everybody together, the glue, best seat in the house, supportive of yeah. everyone, has other teammates that you just heard stories say I'll go if he comes. I mean, he knows how much he's liked, and then. On top of that, I think that what really, why we felt so shitty, we were that close a team, plus he'd played so hard in that pain. And people, it's good right now that you talk about it because there's a guy that played for the Flames a couple years ago that was in the Stanley Cup final, and he was talking about, and he got hurt, and he's talking about how he couldn't get out of bed, and the the guy there, he played with it. So I'm sure there's there's different degrees of it, but my point is he battled so hard and done so much and been such a part of the integral in getting that group to be a team. That's, and then you, you, and even Greener, we all loved Greener because he was so fun and you battled and did what he needed to do to to kind of be around. And when you lose guys off of teams that are that close, it's, heart-wrenching
2: it is hard it, it's hard i i remember you know and it was getting to new york they were blowing it up yeah so you know that's Rangers what i never were...
0: understood is why the components of that trade i I could see why daryl wanted chris simon but I, I was looking last night they had offloaded so many guys that's you played in Messier's final game in the National Hockey League because he was done. Yeah. They'd traded Leach. they traded Kovalev. they traded, I mean, Holik is a UFA. They're blowing it up. Why did they need you? Because they're not keeping you. I, I just, is there not a draft no. pick? What was, what was, why did the components of that deal, I why had, it had to have included you at that point?
2: I think I, they needed a goalie. They had, it, it had to go out the other way. I don't know if it was a financial situation or if it was just if one had to go out one way and also um, trying to remember, they had Jason LaBarbera coming up, but it was me and Mike Dunham. And you're right, mm-hmm. we had to be on expiring contracts if they were just going to let us go anyway. So it, was, it wasn't like throwaways, but it was like almost I look at it from a corporate standpoint, like bodies in, bodies out. And that's what it had to happen. So I don't think that, I, I don't think, put it this way. I don't think the Rangers were like, we need Jamie McLennan or this deal falls through. It's right. like, we need to make the money. We need to make the money fit. So if it was maybe Josh green and my salary, maybe added up to what Chris Simon was making or whatever, but it was, I, I think it was more the, and we needed some, we need a goaltender because they didn't have one at the time. I think the barber was in the minors. And so I think it, it kind of, worked that way I never asked I've actually never asked Daryl the semantics of how it went down but yeah it was tough um watching them go to the finals was cool but like heart-wrenching but I remember coming back and and um Daryl called me personally and they were against Detroit in game six I think at home and he's like I want you in the building you know you need to be here so I talked to Hanlon I came down he put me in a luxury box I just kind of hid And then you guys won. I think Jelly scored an overtime or you guys won that night. And I went to like Kaylee's and, you know, had drinks and saw everybody there at the end of the series. And it was kind of cool just to, you know, kind of, you know, I was a part of it, but not a part of it. But it was like the guys made me feel a part of it. And then well, obviously the finals. Uh, it's funny
1: know. because of, I, I know that all the guys in the room, like I don't know how it would work, but like when your con- your season was over, but your contract wouldn't have been up because if your contract had been up, we would have said, we "Just you're on the road with us. Let's yeah. go. You're <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> just
0: get back down there. Yeah. Yeah. Depot's got your shit yeah, in the back. So- just grab a bag and your jersey and come on the road.
2: So yeah, I pretty much would have uh, would have done that. That would have been fun. <laughs>
0: we we've been going there. There's still so much that we could get into, but I don't want to. Talk, I mean, God, we've we've been rolling here. Let's talk about Kipper. You guys have a special relationship. That one year he plays 74 games. Most backups would be choked. I I never get to play. This is the shits. But you and Kipper had a great bond. What was it like playing with that guy? And I guess just some any Kipper stories. I know there's the one with helicopters and nickelback and stuff that's that was in your book that
2: yeah got it got
0: it maybe
2: here yeah. I don't know yeah I think the more <laughs> like my 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 favorite thing about Kipper was that he always played like the aloof like nah you know I don't care I don't really know what's going on where he was like the other way he was sharp as attack and he saw everything he was very very perceptive so Yes, watching him work every day. The coolest thing about it was he he knew what it took for him to be ready. So it wasn't like, hey, I need, you know, I'm going to go through practice. I'm going to go through this. It was like, I'm going to stretch. I'm going to take my shots. I'm going to do my pre-scout. And a lot of his pre-scout was either done in his mind because he, he would ask me, like, what does that guy like to do? What does this guy like to do? We always talked. So it was he had everything buttoned down to a point. It was almost like his formula. He'd sit and stretch in the morning. Um, I don't, I have no idea what that guy ate for pregame lunch. I, you know, see on the road, he would have chicken and pasta, but like, he was just one of those guys who he just knew how to play it, knew what it took for him to play that night. If he needed extra or whatever, but you, you would just, you would think he was so dialed in so intense. And he was the other way where I remember one time, he always used to bug Depot, our trainer, about being cheap and, and you know, whatever, like Depot. And Depot had bought his kids a guinea pig. And the guinea pig only had one eye. So, like, he used to <laughs> – he called it, like, Winky or something. I can't remember <laughs> what. So, we're, like, I'll never forget this. I'm sitting on the bench. And Kipper come to the bench. And we're going into a shootout. And – you know, so whatever the score is, three, three or whatever, going into a shootout and Kipper would throw the towel to Depot, Depot throwing the towel and be mask the of drinking water. And he would always be looking at Depot and like have <laughs> one eye closed and be like, like he just always like his timing of everything was always perfect because, you know, you're in this pressure pack situation. He's just to go into a shootout and he's messing with Depot behind the bench. You know, and he loved it. Like he would laugh. Like he would look at me, he would have one eye closed and people would be so rattled like, Oh, you know, screw you Kipper, screw you. And like Kipper would be laughing as he put his mask down. He would look at me like, cause him and I knew it was like his six, sick, sick form of humor. And you know, he just, that's what he was like to, to a T it's just you know, to this day, we don't talk very often, but it's like, I'll open up a text from him and it's just like a funny video or just a funny little saying like, you know, a, a, an article from a paper, like he still reads things. He still follows things, but it's like, you know, it be a picture of like somebody that we played with. And it's just like, you know, what do they look at what this guy looks like now or something? Like, it's just funny. Like he's yeah. always had that really great sense of humor. Rhett. You, you know, you witnessed it every day too. Well, then
1: that, that's what you, that's the thing about him is that he'd love to laugh. He loved to be having fun and enjoying yeah. it he loved it all but he came across as kind of Mr. Serious right like oh, yeah. I'm dialed in all the time <laughs> no you're not you're a shit disturber <laughs>
2: <laughs> one time I was coaching I'll never forget this too we were having a, we were going through a rough stretch and I was coaching so I'm his goalie coach and we're having like a pretty heated coach you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just meeting, you know, Brent Sutter and Dave Lowry, Rob Cookson, you know, we got all the coaches in there. And there's a knock at the door. And Kipper pokes his head in and he's like, I need to talk to my goalie coach, you know. And they're like, okay, you know, Kipper's like. It was so dialed in, like, okay, like, okay, Noodles, you go. You go deal with what Kipper wants. So I go back to the gym, and he's in Rich Hesketh's, uh, or Strength and Conditioning's, yeah. is his office. But the blinds are all closed. He takes me in, and he closes the door, and I'm like, what's up? Like, I'm thinking, okay, like, we're going to talk something. And he presses play on YouTube, and it's like a funny video <laughs> of, like, you know, people getting hit in the nuts with balls or something, you know, like it was like a YouTube clip and he's like, look at this. And he's laughing. he's like, look at this. And he's laughing and we're watching this video and dying laughing. And like everywhere else, the house is on fire. Like, you know, we're losing games. The coaches, you know, the owner's mad, like everybody's mad. And he's showing me this like funny home videos of like, you know, parents getting kicked in the nuts. Like that was just, and he's laughing, like dying laughing. And I'm like, just be ready to play hockey tonight. Like, that was him in a nutshell. He was he was so awesome, so awesome.
0: It's time to discover or rediscover the legendary Saint Eugene Golf Resort and Casino. Planning a golf trip, a romantic getaway, or maybe just some tranquility away from the city, Saint Eugene is the answer. Hotel championship golf course, casino, spa, restaurants, all of it nestled in the spectacular Rocky Mountains and just minutes outside of Cranbrook, BC. Visit their website, StEugene.ca and experience the history and heritage of the St. Eugene Golf Resort and Casino.
3: Call Peter Klein at McLeod Law at 403-254-3864, or go online at McLeod-Law.com. You can also find them on social media at McLeod Law LLP. You know Peter Klein at McLeod Law, personal injury guy, but also he's the go-to guy in the city for your disability insurance claims. If your long-term disability insurance company is refusing to pay insurance benefits to you, contact Peter. He's going to help you out. He'll get you the disability benefits you paid for and you deserve. He'll get you your peace of mind back, the peace of mind you paid for.
0: Now, was he a part... I, I had that right, right? He He was part of the... We're we're not going to get back. We need a helicopter. We've been out all night. Was he in on that story?
2: Well, you know, my book—I had to sanitize my book a little bit, put it that way.
0: Okay. But
2: I will just say there were bodies there. You know, Chad's let the Chad is in the years prior has let it out that that Kipper was in attendance there. Yeah. Put it that way. Um, yes, but it never came from me. That's the thing. If you look at my well, of course, book. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's me in first person, but there were other people, there were other patrons at that house, at Chad's house. And, you know, Chad, to this day, Chad and I are still very close. So I was with him last weekend, but like, you know, he, it was a late night. There was a helicopter involved and Mika Kiprasov was in the building. Yes. Right. So put it that way. And it, it just, it's, uh, you know, because it, it, the, tr- the helicopter was out.
0: the only way. Cause so you, you, you guys have been out, you've been partying you're at Chad Kruger's house from Nickelback. It's it's late, and then it, you, the realization is, oh shit, we need to get to the rink. We'll never make it in time.
2: And, well, yeah, we need to get back to the hotel. Chad lives in Abbotsford, which is 45 minutes outside of Vancouver, and you know the bus and the plane are leaving because we're moving on <laughs> to the next city. So yes, right. there was a there was a time crunch. Put it that way, and you know only a. There's a time crunch only that a rock star could make a phone call that a helicopter would land in his lift in his like front yard and then take, take the patrons back to downtown Vancouver so that we could grab our stuff from the room. So you could have and, a chance. You know, on the bus. Jesus. So we have a chance to make the time. Like it just, that one was, you know, dodging bullets left and right. But uh, you know, it was the longest, it was years later. And I don't know how, you know, I think Chad said it in an interview or something, and I was like, "Why did you say that name?" You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I will confirm or deny that, yeah. that you know he was in attendance that night. Put it that way; it was a late night. It was, Where do oh, you land the helicopter?
0: Where does the helicopter land for the hotel? Did they have a a pad the, on the? I th- think there's s-
2: like no. It was like next, like literally. Like, not even a block away. Yeah. And there was a car waiting for us, too. So, anyways, it's yeah. a disaster. That's, uh, there, it never stopped. It never stopped. But, like, the thing is, is that's just one night. And, like, Kipper wasn't a huge partier. But what he was is a guy who was just a good teammate. You know, he was just, if we were going out for drinks, if we were doing something, like, he would, a lot of times, like, on the road, he would just, like, cave, We call it cave it up. Go to the, go to his room, eat dinner, stay in. But, uh, If there was times where we could all hang out, we would hang out. And he was great at that. Like he was, you know, retro. You how many times have we been out with him where, you know, he and he can go the distance, put it that way. For a guy who's not wasn't very thick, he could go the distance with everybody. He could he could stand in there all night if he had to.
1: Well, and there's too many guys that wouldn't go. They'd put you know, forget that it's important to be together and have some fun, have those laughs. The Kipper never missed out on it. When it was a team thing. Was, yeah. You can't say enough well, I, just,
2: I, I just, I remember, like, you know, first times. the one night I, we played in Toronto, I remember the one time, and Kipper came to me and was like, do you have your passport? I'm like, yeah, we're going with retro. we we'll go down to Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I feel like we took a car down to Buffalo, to a bar, and i was like, why are we in Buffalo? There's bars in Toronto, but you know, that's, that's the type of stuff. Like, you know, it's good times, but, you know, I don't think, and it comes back to the start of the conversation, it's just everyone's wired differently nowadays, so I don't know what guys are up to for their fun. I'm sure they do have fun, but it's just a different type of fun. Like, we, the one thing I'll say, like, retro, you know, there's a million stories about you. You came to play every night. Mika Kiprasov came to play every night. Now, he didn't have as many stories, but just, you know, when he took time to go out, he enjoyed himself. But, man, he came to play. And that was the one thing that was always ingrained in us. Is like, okay, you're going to go have a little bit of fun. You better be the first guy working your ass off at practice the next day or whatever was asked of you you better be front and center from the dedication of dedication part where nowadays you see guys if they go out all night i don't know if they can hide it and i don't know if they can function the way that if we, you know i could function on no sleep which you know was rare but then i would certainly sleep the next day so you know yeah, when you uh, when when after
1: time. when afternoon naps were longer than your night your sleep at night that was usually an indication uh, was, things had gone well
2: exactly the
0: grind. we'll wrap it here i just want your because this is another one of those stories that is kind of a legendary that you uh, have yet to serve four games of your five game suspension it is uh, your final game game five detroit playoffs kipper gets pulled because red wings are kind of banging them in goes jamie mclennan uh, lasts 18 seconds before slashing Johan Franz and two five and a match penalty for aggressive and illegal use of the stick in the closing minutes of play. Says Colin Campbell. Uh, Jimmy Playfair got dinged 25 grand, the team 100,000, dollars and you got five games, uh, and you yet you've yet to serve those. And then Kipper had to go back into the net, which I'm sure he appreciated as well. But uh, take take us through the 18 seconds.
2: So and I served one game, so I owe the league four. They'll never get them from me, ever. Yeah. But um, So here's my recollection of it, and I, I'm pretty bang on with it, and I'm going to be dead <laughs> on it. Here's why I'm bang on on it, is because it was a stupid thing I did. So we always, You always regret mistakes that you make. So here was my process. I watched for five games, I believe it was, these guys accidentally falling on Kipper, you know, it's like, oh, oh. And, and it wasn't just Franzen. It was Holmes. Friends.
1: All of them. It was the whole plan.
2: Going the whole plan was to get the Kippers off, which, you know, I, if I was playing against Kipper, that's what I would get too. But that particular night, I remember, I was, I'm sorry, it was an afternoon. It was a Saturday afternoon. But that particular game, Iggy was losing it because he was chasing that Matthew Schneider around the ice. He was trying to fight them. Uh, Brett Lebda had submarine uh, Damon Lankow and went after his knee. So Langson, uh butt-ended him. But there was, It was a war. And I was just sitting there on the bench and watching these guys, oops, I fell over, fell on his leg, fell on it like they were. And I remember thinking that particular day, if I get in, I'm going to try and start a line brawl so that he's, like, we can have our panic because I think we were losing like five one five two at the time. Five so one. Was yeah. a, it was a, okay. So at five one, I remember Jimmy Playfair just looking at me and going, "Go in," and and I swear on my life with my kids and whatever, this was not premeditated with Jimmy at all because there were people that you know said like, oh, "Jimmy sent him off the bench." All he did was put me in to get Kipper out of there because the game was getting uglier and uglier. Okay, so I go in. And if you look at that full 18 minutes, I'm getting a two-minute slashing penalty right away because I'm slashing Branson. What I'm trying to do is get a reaction out of him. So I slash him a couple times. If you look, he goes like this with a stick. He gives me a little whack in the head. Accidentally, oh, you, you know, I'm off balance bump. And I'm slashing him and chirping him like, oh, let's, let's go. And we're already shorthanded, I think. So I'm getting a penalty. The puck goes around behind the net on you know, delayed whistle and Francis starts skating towards me. And I'm thinking, okay, this is gonna be the line brawl. He's gonna sucker me, I'm gonna take it, we're all gonna pile in, and this might turn into either a bench clearing or at least a line brawl here, but I'm gonna start this, okay? He comes towards me, I'm thinking he's gonna pop me. I chop him, now I chop him on the right hip pen, in that area, and he drops. And I'm like, oh no. Like it just, plan like went haywire. Cause I'm thinking, I'm gonna chop him, he's gonna punch me, we're all gonna, all hell's gonna break loose. I chop him, he drops, and it's just like, like just, it's almost like a music at a party, just the music stops and he's like, oh no, this didn't, this didn't go the way I planned this at all. Like I think my heart rate was at like 80. Like I wasn't even, I wasn't even in the game, I wasn't even engaged, I was just trying to start something. And he drops, the ref grabs me, skates me out. The linesman's like, hey, you know, calm down. I'm like, I'm fine, man. I was just, and they skate me right off the ice. Kipper goes back in and everyone's losing it. And and that's basically what happened. And I've got five games. But the thing is, is we played the next night. So it was back to back, but it was in Calgary. Game six was in Calgary Sunday night. So we flew back after the game in Detroit and Daryl. Said on the plane, Rich Preston pulled me aside, and Daryl said, we are going to have a hearing. Be at the rink at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning." So I have the hearing. Uh, Daryl's defending me, saying, "You know, that's nothing. It's a love tap. All of this stuff, and it looked worse than it was, which it was." Uh, my headphones are dying here, so hold on. Let me just. <laughs> no. Can you guys hear me now? Got you. Okay, so. Uh, Daryl's yelling at the league going, you know, that's just a love tap. And and so we wait, but we're playing that night. And he goes, you're going to get suspended a game for sure. And I'm like, okay. So I think they had Danny Saber in there or whoever was going to back up. And uh, Rich Preston comes in and he goes, you got five games and you got fined. And Jimmy Playfair is like, he's joking, but he goes, you just – he goes, my kids, you just took a, a – <laughs> Uh, out of their, out of our garage. He goes, I was going to buy them a Seaboo this summer. And I was like, oh God, like, so I they, the team gets a hundred grand, Jimmy gets 25, I get fine. Like all hell's breaking loose. And I was so embarrassed. Like, that's the biggest thing. I was so embarrassed. I sent a note over, because I know Chris Osgood. And I sent a note over just to be like, that wasn't personal, man. I was, you know, just trying to start some and it just didn't work out ironically johan franzen scores the game-winning goal the next night so he was resurrected and he was fine on a, sh- and- yeah.
1: Yeah. On a shitty shot come on kipper you could have had that.
2: Yeah, i should have made that save Anyways, at the end of the day um i've had conversations with franzen since i apologized to him because i was like you know you weren't i wasn't targeting you i was just trying to start it um And, you know, hopefully it's water under the bridge. I still get nasty Twitter messages from Detroit fans sometimes being like, you're, you know, you're a piece of this. And I just kind of chuckle. I'm like, you know, let it go. It was 2007 or 2006 or whatever it was. So anyway, that was my last game in the National Hockey League. And unfortunately, uh, it ended on a poor note. But I own it. It was my mistake. But that was my intention. And the thing is, is apparently the league said to Daryl, well, we could suspend Iggy for butt ending and Damon Lankow for something too. But, you know, the the low-hanging fruit is the idiot who slashed a guy in the stomach or in the in the hip area. So that's basically what it was.
0: And Franzen, and in fairness, is what, 6'3", 240. And if anybody's ever it. worn a pair of hockey pants and has taken a slash across the front of the legs, uh, there's a fair bit of padding there
2: um Put it this he went way, down like he got I would, shot i would still be laying there if he decided to beat me up the guy was a monster he yeah. was a moose like he was like 240 was pounds. yeah like he the was mule. so big like yeah. i just like i say i just in my mind that transaction i could i was envisioning it that he was going to sucker me or punch me cuz i had been slashing him and then all hell was going to break loose but it didn't go down that way, and I have I have to own that one.
1: No, Jimmy had the wrong guys on. That's the problem.
2: Let's blame it on Jimmy because yeah, yeah, He had there.
1: Hammer and uh, oh,
2: like maybe Brad, Brad Stewart or something. Stewart, but it yes, was like, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Hammerlick look was looking to old Carpy. We used to call him <laughs> Sticky Fingers. Uh, Hammerlick. You'd steal anything that wasn't nailed down Let's in the dress. The octopus,
1: group. <laughs> yeah.
2: Dion. Dion would drop off jerseys. Like he'd come in with a box of Red Bull T-shirts, and Hammerlick would fight everybody for all these. Like literally, he them like, all. He'd, he'd take them all. Old Hammer used to call him Sticky Fingers Hammerlick. I love that guy. He was awesome. Hammer was. We had a lot of fun with him. But that's what happened that night, and unfortunately, I ended on a su- suspension.
0: Outdoor dental. Dentistry with no needles, no drills, and no stress. Dr. Jay Patel decided a few years ago that it was time to change the dental experience for his patients. Introducing the Solea Laser. This laser treatment is pain-free, will leave you feeling relaxed and comfortable. In addition, the laser is used to treat sleep apnea by increasing the tension of the soft palate to reduce snoring. In just two 15-minute treatments, you could be getting the amount and quality of sleep that you've been missing out on. Visit their website for more information and to book a consultation, outdoor.dental. That website again, outdoor.dental. The word is out. Madro's Pub in Royal Oak has become one of Calgary's best pubs, and it's no secret why. 20 beers on tap, kid-friendly Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, daily specials, lunch specials, some of the best food you're going to find in the city, period. Burgers, pastas, steaks, full entrees, and proud to serve one of the best and most talked about pizzas in Calgary. Summer's here. Come enjoy the brand new patio. Check out their website. Maybe order some takeout. Madrose.pub is the website. 15 Royal Vista Place
2: is the address.
0: It's Madrose Pub. What can you tell us about playing for the Nippon Paper Cranes?
2: It was awesome. Like, honestly, like, think of this. Like, in in your lifetime, getting paid, it was like a paid vacation. Getting paid to go play hockey in a country you probably would have never, wouldn't be on your list to go, okay, I'm going to Japan. So... It all ties full circle. Joel Dick and Mike Dick, um, who I lived with in junior, they their mom is Japanese. So Joel got his citizenship and went over and played there for 16 years. And he called me when I was gonna retire and he said, why don't we retire together? We played Bantam hockey together, come over. So I went over, I, I went to the KHL, which was an absolute disaster. We could do a two-year, sh- two-hour show on that alone. And then I ended up in, in Japan with, with Nippon paper and Joel had been there 16 years and uh, went over there, me and Tyson Nash. It was awesome. The culture was great. They treated us first class. Um, the level of hockey was about the East Coast League equivalent. So good players, um, but everything about it was just super cool. Like I, I got, I went there for four months or five months there was four teams in Japan, two in Korea, and one in China, so it was like you'd never. Uh, I got to go to those countries. I'd never been there before, so it was really cool and really great experiences. So I was I was really proud to, you know, to have to be able to do that. But at the end of the season, I knew I was done. I remember calling Daryl and saying, "I'm retiring." You know, I wanna I wanna work for you. And Daryl gave me a job the next day. But it was it was literally I had to get it out of my system. I knew I wanted to play one more year. Ended up in Japan, and it was uh, it was awesome. And, but I knew I was done. I think I was like 38 years old, and I said, "Check, please, I'm 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 out." So it was good.
0: And then you coach for a number of years, and then you were working with, as you talked about earlier, with Brent Sutter, and that grew, and then that came to an end. Did you, did you know that coaching wasn't for you or did you think I'll get a job somewhere else with another team? Cause, and, Cause broadcasting was always seemingly going to be there for you in some way, shape or form, but the coaching as compared to what you're doing now,
2: it, it was, but I didn't love it. I loved my coach, the guys that I worked with and, you know, Dave Lowry, Ryan McGill, Rob cooks, and I stay in touch with all of them, but I look at it. And I joke with them to this day, we all are where we deserve to be kind of thing. I ended up in the media. Those guys are all still, you know, in hockey, they're coaches or assistant coaches. Um, you know, I look at it, I loved everything about it. But now that I'm a parent, I think coaching's a lot like being a parent. You can prepare your kid as much as possible and then you send them out and they make mistakes or they may you know, have a bad day or whatever that you can't control once they're out there. And that, that's the, that was the toughest part. Like coaches, there's a reason why they have gray hair. They're stressed all the time because it's like the players, they don't care. Like, Hey, goalie gives up five goals. He's going out for dinner. He's going for a beer. He's visiting with his buddies and he's worried about the next game. The coach is worried about that game and preparing the team for like the coach. You're always on 24 hours. So I felt and I, and I could. I was offered other jobs. And to this day, I've been offered to go back into hockey. And it's, it's not that I won't, but it's got to be the right situation. Um, I look back, and I still had a lot to learn as a coach. I think I was a really good coach from a relationship standpoint, but I needed to be better technically. And it's almost like anything. That was my first couple of years coaching. Um, I was still immature as a coach, and I needed to learn – uh, the ins and outs. So if I had to do it again or not had to do it, if I decided to go back into it, I think I'd be a different coach now. And I don't know if I'd be better, but I'd certainly be more a little bit more technical. Um, I was learning kind of on the fly, the technical stuff, because I was applying it from the stuff that I'd learned from my goalie coaches, Dave Marcoux, who's still a, a close friend. So it was, um, I like where I'm at, but if I had to go back into hockey, I'd like to be more in the behind the scenes, like management type of thing, you know, AGM or player development, that type of stuff where, you know, it's, it's, it's helping build a team and giving perspective and stuff and being an advisor. I'd love to do that type of stuff. And those jobs aren't, you know, they're not readily accessible to everybody. So it's, you know, I, I I am where I am right now and I'm, uh, you know, I'm this is my 13th year with TSN, so I'm, you know, I'm pretty entrenched with them. I think they like me. I like them. And, you know, so we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, I like, I love calling games. I love being on all the shows that I'm on. I do TV, radio, I do all of the stuff that we, you know, you guys know. So it would take a special circumstance for me to leave. But believe me, I get offered them every, every summer. It just, you know, I, I think it's not the right timing right now. So we'll see what happens.
0: It's been how long? So you, how long have you been doing the daily radio show?
2: Uh, well, since day one, like right? day like one, of radio was that's twelve years. Yeah. So I've been, but it was it used to be called Blue Lunch, then it was Leafs Lunch, and then they when O Dog came, we we they moved us to the drive show. So it's called Overdrive, and I think this is year seven. Yeah. Eight. I don't know. It's it's. You know, three hours a day of us yelling and screaming and being idiots—I uh, don't know—it just kind of blends together. But I think that's what it's—it's it's been. You know, that that amount of time.
0: Well, you guys—it's—it's ha- it's the best in the country, and I think you guys are probably told that a lot, and uh, I think you probably know that. But there's something special about uh, having that dynamic. And uh, is—is it—is it grind on you a little bit? Three hours every single day.
2: It does uh, you know hour three sometimes if I've been sitting here in my home office and I've had dinner and I' you know I'm having the meat sweats or I like we have a joke on our show where it's like you know somebody'll go baby monkey for a, for a segment where like you guys are talking the other guy's just sitting there like an idiot yeah. like not paying attention. <laughs> so we have I, I caught myself doing baby monkey yesterday during one of our interviews uh, I hadn't said a word I was just sitting there going Oh, I'm on national TV. I should probably look alive. And, and I wasn't. But uh, you know what? It, it It's like anything. Uh, you guys will have, you know, you hang up sometimes from a show and you go, yeah, we had a great show or we we had a bad show. I only notice the bad ones. Um, you know, sometimes my wife will be like, how was the show? I'm like, I don't know. I think it was okay. If you don't remember it, you think that it was good. I only remember the times where you're like, all right, I just chewed my tongue off on that or, you know, I butchered that segment or whatever other than that for the most part we're a pretty well-oiled machine but three yeah. hours is a lot a day it is it's a it's a big ask
0: the host does a lot of work right like it's really oh, the, he does. Yeah. it's the host i don't you know
2: yeah brian brian hayes does all the heavy lifting and me and O just uh, hmm. you know it's always the host they're the rock stars that's what it is
0: yeah that's what they say it's been my experience <laughs> noodles you are one of the best man thanks for doing this, this is when Long, I knew it was going to go long and it went longer than I thought. And we, there's so much we didn't even talk about. But uh, that, that you had the career you did, you could, you're you getting coaching jobs. Every, it speaks to your character. And you're one of those guys that I'll, I'll tell my kids about or whatever. If you're a good person and you treat people and you do things the right way, things things are going to find their way even if you have no idea where they're going. And I think you're one of those guys. You have been, there's no one that says a bad word about you. Everybody loves you. And you've treated people the right way, except And But you've treated people the right way along the way. And it's it's done amazing for you. You're one of the best at what you do. Not, and that's the other thing. Not, there's not many people that can do what you do. The radio, the TV, the and, and the color commentary from ice level. Yeah. That's, that is not easy. People think, oh, it's a breeze. You just go in. It's not easy. And you're very good at all of them.
2: Well, thanks. Yeah. No, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've transitioned and you know, I work hard at it. That's the one thing it is. It's, you, you know, I, I think my hockey training has helped transition into the media because I treat it. You've got to have the work at it. you got to put the time in. you got to do all these things, but yeah, it's been good. And yeah, there are people that say bad things about my wife was all over me this morning. So she was mm-hmm. chewing me out. So there, there's two people that you can point out friends and, and my wife. There that, you
0: go. Uh, You're 52 or whatever, that's a short list. You've done pretty well. And and Warner's sitting in Buffalo, so if you want to go get in the car and go back down to the
2: bar in Buffalo, he can meet you there.
1: We can still find a pint.
2: Open open invitation yes, retro.
1: Yes, always.
2: <laughs> we do. We, we are going to do that. We are going to have. Maybe we should have a follow up show where I'm sitting beside you. That'll be fun. We'll do that. I feel
1: like we're all. Right. There's a few guys from the old team that are have the March date circled on their calendar for this year. So
2: yes. So I've already in in planning my color schedule. I was there was only two blackout dates that I said don't even think of scheduling me for a game. Or to be on the radio that day because I probably would be non-functioning and uh, and that March second date that weekend uh, I think I'm going in the Thursday I don't know Hanlon has uh, some stuff planned but I I've, I've been trying to kind of plan it out with my life too to just go in because it'll be it's all going to be all about Kipper but it's going to be all about just catching up with the people that love Kipper and that's what I'm really looking forward to so that'll be a fun one. Jamie, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate you. Best of luck. Any time, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll chat soon. Be good, jump. All right. Chat later. Hiya, buddies. Boomer from Barnburner on
0: FlamesNation.ca here with a little bit of Betway action for you. Now, the Miami Dolphins, as we know, off to a great start. They are 2-0. and oh. A lot can happen. AFC East. Patriots are 0-2. The Bills are 1-1, and, and I think by many favored to win this division, but how about Miami? If they win this division, coach of the year future bet Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel win the division. Why not Mike McDaniel right now? Plus 700. I'll take it. Fins up. Find that one and more at Betway. Those boys will be putting on a show. Mika Kiprasov, that jersey going to the rafters. Uh, Nail down the furniture because those guys are coming back and I mean, man, if we could ever get them to sit down for a while and put a microphone and have a visit with them, it'd be great. It'd be tricky, but we'll try our best. Jamie McLennan, love the guy. He is one of the best. There's just no two ways about it. Thanks to him for spending all that time with us we had to cut it into two parts uh, 2 hours more than 2 hours at the uh, end of the day but appreciate noodles appreciate you for being a part of what we're doing obviously we're getting into a training camp for the flames is underway we're getting into preseason games sunday is the first game and then monday and they got four games in what six nights and then we're into it folks we'll be back with uh, with the shows next week retro pinder back from his european vacation Did he get his, uh, you know, his bikini line waxed? I don't know. We'll probably find out. But uh, we appreciate you. Have yourself a fine weekend. Be safe. Be kind. And looking forward to having you on board as we get into full swing next week. Hockey season, baby. Let's go, barn burner. Have a great weekend. See you, buddies.